0: Senior Pastor, good to be with you again.
1: Blessings, Pastor O. May the Lord bless us as we go through this powerful lesson today.
0: Powerful lesson it is. And uh, we're going to be talking about interceding for God's mercy, interceding for God's mercy. And uh, God readily hears the intercessory prayers of believers. We, we believe that. And we also believe that Christians are responsible to intercede for the lost. Um, I think that's one of the requirements. I, I truly believe that. And we can see where Scripture uh, tells us um, that it's one of our responsibilities. Uh, Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, But we're going to start from the beginning, uh, the book of Genesis, just to see um, one of the great prayers uh, of the Bible, um, prayed by Abraham. We're going to be looking at Genesis uh, 18 and Genesis chapter 19, um, a few verses in each. Uh, We're going to divide it into three sections, as we always do. Uh, Abraham hears God's judgment. Uh, Abraham pleads for God's mercy, and finally, Abraham witnesses judgment and mercy, which is quite interesting, judgment and mercy. He witnesses both at the same time, which is, again, quite interesting. Um, But So we will be looking at Abraham today, specifically Genesis 18 and some verses in chapter 19, and this lesson will focus on One of the great prayers of the Bible, as we previously stated, we must understand that prayer is hard work. It is warfare, and as such, it is a discipline that must be intentionally developed and nurtured. Uh, Some people refer to prayer as a muscle. We need to exercise. uh, It's a spiritual muscle that we should exercise. And now, it is easy and normal to pray during difficult times. When we are faced with life-altering circumstances, it is natural to take or case to God. However, it is the day-in and day-out prayers that require determination. Uh, What the author here is saying is that when things are good, we still need to pray. We shouldn't wait until things are bad and then say, oh, yeah, I remember God. You know what, let me pray to him because no one else can help me. It's the day in and day out prayers that require determination. Um, Prayer begins when we approach God in reverence, humility, submission, sincerity, faith, and anticipation. It is a two-way form of communication. We must invite God into our camp quote-unquote, or our lives, he is waiting to enter our prayers, he's waiting to enter our lives, and he's waiting to enter our circumstances. And that's something that is very significant. We are not alone. I am not alone. You are not alone, because God is waiting to enter our lives. He's waiting for us to ask him to come in, come into my heart, come into my life, come into my circumstance. I can't do it uh, of my own strength, of my own will, of my own understanding, or on my own understanding. We need to invite God into
1: our lives.
0: Um, And as we will see in this lesson, God wants to reveal himself to us as well as his plans that affect us. And he wants to hear our needs. He wants to hear our hopes and concerns. Um, So it's important to have a good prayer life because it's, you know, it's a way to communicate with God. We will also see in Abraham that prayer is rewarded with a fresh manifestation of God and the answers or revelation we need from him. Abraham was rewarded with the promise of a son in verse 10 of Genesis chapter 18, uh, who would be the impetus of fulfilling God's promises to Abraham of a great nation, as we saw in Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. He was also warned of impending judgment as Scripture reveals, however, mercy always precedes or comes before judgment. Let me say that again. Mercy always precedes or comes before judgment. Eric Raymond asked the question, how do you reconcile God's justice with his mercy? Well, you don't, Eric Raymond said, because they are not enemies. They are friends who are not in conflict but in perfect, divine harmony. And I like that. Uh, God's justice and his mercy are not in conflict, but in perfect, divine harmony. Hence, mercy always precedes judgment. And right now, we are experiencing God's mercy. We woke up this morning, we are experiencing God's mercy. But we are warned that mercy comes before judgment. So there is going to come a time when judgment will come. So here as we look into this lesson, let us see how Abraham responds or what Abraham asked for in his intercessory prayer to God. Um, And we're going to turn it over to you, Senior Pastor, as you begin. Um, Abraham hears God's judgment, Genesis chapter 18. Abraham hears God's judgment.
1: Thank you. And I think you, you sum it up there. We could almost just close this service because in your summary there, our introduction of the lesson, I think that. The Lord is revealing to us all that he wants us to hear. So the lesson will be centered around prayer, mercy, judgment, prayer, mercy, judgment. And um, the writer here says that God wants to reveal himself to us as well as his plans that affects us. You could write that down. God wants to reveal himself to us as well as his plans that affect us. In other words, what we have in mind might not be what the Lord has in mind. You might be planning a career and the Lord is saying, oh, that's not what I want for you. And I'm pretty sure you have read the testimony of many Preachers and pastors and so on, patriarchs who have had their life planned out and God intervene and say, No, that's not what I want. And if you resist then you you, you it proves to be your downfall. God reveals Himself to us and each charter. He decides on the plan that He has for us. I, I'm always reminded of what um, Sister Britannia said. She said, the devil meant it for good, but God meant it for my good. The devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for my my good. So whatever it is, don't resist him. Do whatever he wants you to do. Amen. And it will work out. I never, yes, I love preaching and wanted to be a preacher, Never wanted to be a pastor. Was never in my book at all. Um, I was in evangelism, and that was good for me. But God turned it around and said no. And I wanted to be a singer, a gospel singer. You know, just for the world and sing the good old gospel song. But God turned it around and said no. And I have all my tapes. Pack up somewhere there in storage that... Um, was going to help me to be a millionaire and tour the world, but God said no. I'm so happy that I didn't resist God, but I answered the call, and I hope you will. All right. Abraham hears God's judgment, and I hope that we are paying attention to this lesson because we said prayer, mercy, judgment. One thing is sure, that judgment will come at some time or the other, God's choosing. And um, we find God talking to Abraham in Genesis 18, verse 16, of his impending judgment. And you should read that chapter because we don't have time to go through all of it today. I read it through this morning. And the men rose up from them and looked towards Sodom and Abraham. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. Um, and this was when God appeared to Abraham and told him that he should get out from his country and his kindred and that he was going to make him a great nation and he obeyed and so on. And they're going on and um, God had promised him that by to him, he sees the world shall be blessed. You see, the world shall be blessed. And um, it was time for that promise to come true, and he appeared to them. And Sarah laughed after she heard the message. She was in the tent, and Abram was outside talking to the angels, and she overheard the message and she laughed. And they asked, Abram, why did your wife laugh? And when the news got to her, she said, No, I didn't laugh because she was so. Afraid. But um, the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on their way. Now, note here that the messengers accompanied the Lord to deliver the first part of God's plan for Abraham and Sarah. God took them to wherever he wanted them, so they followed the Lord. They accompanied the Lord. They didn't go on their own. The Lord was directing them, according to verse 9 to 15. Now, the Bible declared that they set their faces or they focused their attention eastward towards Sodom. Abraham accompanied them on their way. What a good guy, according to tradition. He traveled with them quite some distance. He was not ready. And that struck me this morning, Pastor O. He was not ready to leave the Lord's presence. And how many times have we strayed away from God's presence? Um, Adam did and had a problem. Adam did and found himself without God. If we stray from the presence of the Lord, we are in trouble. I must have the Savior with me. You know, that's one of my pet co. I must have the Savior with me, for I dare not walk alone. He was not ready to leave the Lord's presence. So he, he had received the promise of a son, which was what God promised, which would be quite enough for most people. But no, not for Abraham. Abraham pressed on with the Lord. Abraham went on with the Lord. Abraham followed the Lord. You might have received some. You might have received some form of blessing, but we must continue to press. Some writer said, "I'm pressing on the upward way." Hallelujah! New heights, some gaining every day. Still praying as I onward go. Lord, plant my feet and higher ground. And the writer here says, in the early days of Pentecostalism history. An emphasis was placed on tarrying before the Lord. And those of us who are older in the faith will remember that. Or it means spending time in his presence. This is done not for answered prayer, because the prayer is already answered. Not for catching up on one's prayer life, although it helps, but it was to commune with God. On a personal level. I want to talk to you God. And I want to hear you. Talk back to me. The goal is to learn from him. That we might be more like him. And receive those things he wants for us. Can I say that one more time? The goal. Of. Seeking the Lord. Or staying in his presence. persisting with the Lord. Or pressing on with the Lord. Is. To learn from him that we might be more like him and receive those things he wants from us. Our Father, which art in heaven, all over be thy name. Oh, yes, Betmore says God Himself is what enlightens understanding about everything else in life. Isn't that beautiful? God Himself is what enlightens understanding about everything else in life. Oh, it doesn't come from the president or somebody else. doesn't even come from the school that you go go to get a higher education, but the things of life are enlightened through God. Knowledge about any subject is fragmentary without the enlightenment that comes from his relationship to it. Make sure it's very important that we have a relationship with God. We continue, and we see God's judgment revealed. So he talks of his impending judgment, and Abram hears it, and it's revealed. Genesis eighteen seventeen to 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abram that thing which I do? Verse 17 provides insight into the inner working of the divine counsel. God asks if he should hide his plan from Abraham. This carries the idea of deliberately concealing a fact or act from someone. Jewish sources suggest God chose to reveal his plan to Abraham. Why? Because this region includes part of the land promised to Abraham and his descendants. Therefore, God would not destroy it without Abraham's knowledge and permission. What a God. He could do it. But Abraham, Abraham and himself had a relationship. So, although it was promised to Abraham, I'm going to tell you why, Abraham. Um, and um, I, I seek your permission to do it. I could do it, but it's yours. It's already yours. But, um, Going to do this. Um, the, God included Abraham for several reasons. Now, listen to this. Number one, he was the father of God's people. Number two, by Abraham's lineage, every nation or all people would be blessed through the Messiah. Oh, yes, we find that. Number three, God's deep, intimate knowledge of Abraham's heart and character. Do you know the Lord? Does he know you this morning? In other words, I know him. He would train and hold his children and those around him accountable in the ways that lead to the Lord and his covenant provision and promises. And I pause here to say, have we been doing that? Does God know us that way? That we will train our children? Aren't we told to train the the children in the way that they should go? That when they are old, they will not depart. How have you been training your children? Have you been training them to do that which is wrong? No, I hope. I hope that you're training them the way of the Bible. I told you some years ago that instead of I, I, I want you to give them an education. I want you to help them as much as you can. But keep them the Bible. Tell them to stick to the Bible because it's the road map that leads to every, everything that we need. So train and hold your children and those around you accountable in the ways that lead to the Lord. Hold them accountable. That's not the way I train you. So do it the way that you were trained. If you were brought up in the church or godly, to godly fear, your children should do that way. Yes, they might get whole and depart, but somewhere along the line, it will come back to them. That's not the way daddy and mommy brought them up. Come on, come on now, parents. Come on, come on, come on. It's the lesson for you. Number four, specifically in chapter 18, verse 19, We see Abraham would not teach him to blindly obey a set of rules, (laughs) but to actively accomplish righteousness. Very important. What are we talking about? That they must have a heartfelt relationship with God, humanity, and justice. Number five, because of Abraham's position, physical and spiritual, God's promises would be fulfilled. It is clear that God valued his relationship with Abraham. And it is important that we must, at all times, we must work to accomplish righteousness. We must work to do righteousness. Sin is a reproach to any man, but righteousness will exalt a nation. We see people getting further And further away from church, further and further away from God. But my friend, make sure that we have a valid relationship with God. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. Oh, yes. And um, God told Abraham about his impending judgment. He revealed his judgment to them because of what was happening. Let's see what happened. The judgment determined, Genesis 18, 20 to 21. And the Lord said, talking to Abraham, he said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of which which is come unto me. And if not, I will know where Abraham pleaded for God because of what they were involved in. And people say that we shouldn't preach it. They were involved in sodomy. Man going to man and woman going to woman and man going to beast and so on. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. I will not put up with that. Because I make the man to be with the woman, not man to man and woman to woman and beast and so on. No, it's abominable to God. And we find a lot of that now, a lot of that coming out of the closet. And people tell you, oh, you mustn't preach against it. And yes, he loved the sinner, but he hates the sin. He loved the sinner, but he hates the sin. So God began his conversation with Abraham. Revealing the evidence that has been brought to him by the iniquity happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, he says, I will go down and see whether they have done all together according to the cry of it. What is cry? Cry is a deep distraught utterance from a disturbed heart in dire need of immediate intervention. Intervention. Don't, when you have a problem, you go, you cry to the Lord, Lord, I need your help with tears and sorrow. And you cry to the Lord. It is an expression motivated by profound physical and spiritual destitution. We are without God. We are empty. We are destitute without him. Great emphasis. The cry is exceedingly abundant. Abundant. such that it cannot or will not be ignored by God. And um, some people suggest that the iniquity was so prevalent and depraved, so grievous, or so extremely bad and heavy, that the iniquity itself knew such a lifestyle could not be allowed. And my friend is going on now, but you think God is going to allow it? No, no, he's going to intervene. I'm not worried about them at all. Because I know who is in control. I know that God is in control, you know. So they cried out to God for intervention and judgment. Just, Just cried out to God. It's a sobering conversation. What we're saying here is that sometimes humanity cannot understand what the Lord explains to Abraham that he will personally investigate the circumstances behind the cry. (laughs) I'm not even going to allow you to do it, Abraham. I'm not even going to send an angel. I myself will do it. It does not suggest that God was previously unaware of the happenings of Sodom and Gomorrah and needed to find out what was happening. No, because God is omniscient. He knows all that is happening on the earth and throughout all creation. He knows it all. Nothing is hidden from him. As a matter of fact, he knew it before the foundation of the world. He knew what was going to happen. So this verse gives us great comfort in, first, in Psalms one and John 5.20. First, God is always fully aware of our circumstances. And all his acts are based on that complete and perfect knowledge. Number two, even in the worst of situations, God's presence is there to promote repentance and restoration. Yes. Number three, as has been emphasized previously and cannot be overemphasized, Mercy, God's love in action always precedes judgment. And Pastor Ho told you about that. He warns before he acts. Remember Jonah and Nineveh? The Lord told Jonah to go down and warn them. Well, Jonah didn't want to go. Took a ship and decided that he's going to crash it. And, you know, the story of God um, sent a storm and... Um, they start to cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And he said, I'm the culprit. I'm guilty. So throw me overboard. Because I don't know if he was a good swimmer or he'd think that he would die. He didn't want to go. But God prepared a big fish that swallowed Jonah and spit him out on dry land. And what did that take him, I think, seven days? took him three days to go down to they and warn them. God warns before he acts. He warns before judgment. Why? Because of his mercy, because of his love action. Whatever is happening, the Lord is warning us, and he's warning us now before he returns, that man needs to repent. And man needs to come to Christ. And I hope that we will do that. Now, now some people... Have an argument that the God of the Old Testament is harsh, cold, harsh, and removed from the lives of ordinary people. And they compare that with the New Testament that God is more personable and interactive with individuals. But a careful study of both Testaments debunks this false argument. As this passage itself confirms that God is not aloft and unconcerned about what is happening. It is helpful to remember that those in the Old Testament were operating under the law which was designed to lead people to Christ. It was just a schoolmaster to lead people to Christ. God's dealing with our relationship with him now is based, God's dealing with those under the Old Covenant were based on a look toward the cross while our relationship with him is based on the look back of the cross. So they were looking towards Christ to come. That's why the Old Testament prophets prophesied off that there was a Messiah who would come. Um, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Malachi and so on, they prophesied of a Christ that would come. Now, our relationship with him is based on a look back at the cross. At the cross of the cross, where I first saw the light. While our relationship with him is based on a look back at the cross, the human picture may provide illumination. We want you to know. A parent's relationship and interaction with the child changes as that, that child develops towards maturity. Yes, yeah. When the child gets mature, you kind of give them some some loose, some rope, and let them put into action that which they have been taught. But it, it is still the same parent, just viewed from different perspective. The same is true sure of God in both testaments of our own lives. So let's pay some attention to that. Remember that the acts before is Judgment. And here, Abram, hearing what God was going to do, pleads for mercy. And because of that, he drew near to God. And he talked to God. And he travailed and he prayed. And Pastor, who is going to take us into that segment? Abram pleads for God's mercy, drawing near to God.
0: Amen. Thank you, Senior Pastor. And, uh, you know, just kind of reflecting on the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah kind of makes you wonder um, how God's judgment is going to play out on this earth. I mean, we we see certain hints of it in in the book of Daniel. We also have the apocalyptic book of, of Revelation. And, uh, We know that something grand, something big, something major is going to happen, is going to occur. And it should really um, make us nervous. Not for us, because we know, um, as the song says, I know where I'm going, I know. Um, So we are excited about that which is to come. But it should make us nervous for our brothers and our sisters, our husbands, our wives, our neighbors, our coworkers all those who have not yet turned their life over to the Lord. Uh, Jesus says there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And uh, the very judgment that Sodom and Gomorrah uh, went through uh, will come at some point. It may not be now. It may not be tomorrow. But it's going to happen again. Uh, we were forewarned that um, that he destroyed this earth with water. Next time, it's not going to be so. It's going to be fire next time. You know that that old song that you know that is sung: "No more water, but fire next time." And so that should you know give us some pause to think about what are we doing to advance the kingdom of God, to share the gospel with everybody. Um, And so let's look at Abraham, though, as he pled for God's mercy. Uh, How many times have we pled for God's mercy? How many times have you pled for God's mercy? Not only on behalf of you, but on behalf of someone else. Uh, Here, Abraham is pleading for the righteous. To be spared from the judgment of God. And as we look at Genesis 18, verse 22 through 26, we'll see the conversation um, that Abraham had with God as he drew near to God. It says, Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And you really need to read the entire chapter of Genesis. Uh, chapter 18, um, in order to really understand fully the backdrop as to what Abraham was going through and um, the news that he had just received, you know, that, that sort of thing. So um, verse 23 says, and Abraham drew near and said, "Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous and the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, Then I will spare all the place for their sakes. The angels or messengers depart and proceed towards Sodom. But as the scripture says, uh, verse 22, Abraham stood yet before the Lord. This conveys Abraham knew what he was going to do and that he is standing his ground or revealing his determination to be involved in and intercede for such a serious matter. Prayerful intercession requires that we check our motivations for mediating. And this kind of struck me in a very positive way, in that if you have a strong relationship with God, you can have a good conversation. You can challenge the Lord and say, Lord, if you're doing this thing, if you find 50 righteous in the city, Are you still going to destroy them? Or can you spear them if you find 50? That was a very insightful conversation to show us that we should have a very good working relationship with God. Praying continuously. Interceding on behalf of our cities. Interceding on behalf of those that are righteous, those that are godly, because they are the ones that suffer because of the wicked. Do you understand that? We live in a world that is filled with wickedness, and sometimes because of wicked people, we too face tragedy and discomfort. And here we see that Abraham was interceding for those who couldn't intercede for themselves. Uh, In other words, as we said about motivations, our motivations or our reasons for interceding by prayer must be pure. And here we see that Abraham's motivations were pure. He was distraught about those that were righteous, having to go through this judgment, this tragedy, because of the wicked in the land. Listen, when we go to God, there should be no ulterior motive. Why? Selfishness for us or others will not stand in the presence of God. The only thing that stands in the presence of God is a pure heart and a and a, and a pure will. Because his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we have to stand on the promises of his word. And we understand that intercession requires bold faith that is tempered with humility. We shouldn't really go to God and say, God, you know, this is, a, this is foolishness. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. You know, there should be a humility. God sometimes will understand our frustration. And sometimes we say things out of frustration because we are in the flesh. We are in this fleshly suit. And so he understands our frustration. But we must go to him with much humility, with a, humil- with a humble heart, with a pure and humble heart. So what is an intercessor? An intercessor is a mediator who stands in the gap between God and humanity, spiritually grasping the hand of God and the hand of the person in need and pulling through prayer until the two come together and God's provision is supplied. This is the spiritual picture depicted in this passage when we look at the conversation between Abraham and God. Abraham became the mediator for the righteous ones. Now, what was Abraham's reason for this rather bold interaction with God? Was it love for Lot? Was it love for his family? Was it concern for Lot's possessions? No, Abraham's reason was love. Love for Lot. Love for the people of the city even though his relationship with them was a bit troubled, as we see in um, Genesis chapter 14, verse 21 through 24. He recognized what God had done for him through grace and now wanted that same grace to be extended to others. Have you ever just you know, sat down and reflect and reflect on the grace of God, on the mercy of God? and say, you know what, this same mercy, this same grace that I'm experiencing, I want others to experience as well. And this is what Abraham was going through. He loved his family so much. He loved the people of the city so much that he interacted with God in a very bold way. Uh, Paul approached, uh, Abraham approaches God with a sobering question. Will you completely annihilate both the innocent and the guilty. Abraham begins his negotiation on the basis of 50 innocent or righteous individuals. These are individuals who have not engaged in the degradation of the city's activities and are in a viable relationship with God. Abraham then asked God, appointed and bold question, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Right here is better understood as justice. Shall not the judge of all the earth bring justice? Abraham will get what he wants, but not what he expects. And isn't it true, in some cases, when we go before the Lord with our our requests, with our questions, with our petitions, that we sometimes get what we want? but not what we expect. Because when we go to God with our petitions, there is a certain expectation that we have. God, do this for me. I know you can. How many times have we said that? God, I know you can. And then there are times when we point to our brothers and sisters' success and say, God, look how you brought them out. God look what you did to sister Jane or for sister Jane. Look what you did for brother John. God, I know you can do it for me. Well, sometimes we will get what we want, but not what we expect. And because of that, sometimes people become very discouraged. I was sharing with a coworker the other day about another coworker who told me the reason why she is not a Christian or that she doesn't believe in God is because there was this very difficult thing that she went through. And I won't say it over the air, but there was this very difficult thing that she went through in her life. And she said, God, if you fix this for me, then I know you are God. God, if you fix this for me, then I know you are God. She challenged God and God did not honor her request. I don't know why. I am not God. He knows best. He knows the reason. And because of that, she said she would never believe in God for the rest of her life. Even though I have encouraged her, she still does not believe in God. Well, that's because she had a level of expectation And God
1: said, no, 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 no.
0: That's not how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. Friends, I'm telling you, there are times when we have to allow God to do it his way. Because every single time we do it our way, we fail. We are not successful. So when we go to God with our requests, with our petitions, when we ask him to do something, just be prepared that he may give us what we want, but not in the way we expect him to give it. So Abraham said, If fifty righteous are found, God states. Then God responded and stated that he would spare the city's inhabitants, both righteous and wicked of judgment. So God so Abraham challenged God, and God said, Okay. All right, if 50 righteous are found, I will spare the city. I will spare the city's inhabitants, both righteous and wicked, of judgment. Now, Doug Small says, there are times when we cannot pray for ourselves. Why? Because we are disoriented or simply out of faith and vision. Perhaps we are sick and exhausted, fighting disease or demons. At such times, we need someone to intercede for us. And this is, the, the, this is what I got from this quote. There are sometimes we need someone to intercede for us. We need to go to our brothers and sisters in the faith and say, listen, I need you to help me pray. Doc Small continues, he says, we need someone to pray as if they were us, as if they were standing in our place. They offer petitions in our behalf to God. So what an extraordinary provision. We can pray for others and others can pray for us. Listen, God is not saying, oh, because Pastor O came to me on behalf of somebody else, I'm not going to honor the request. That person needs to speak up for themselves. No, no, no. He says, hey, if you come to me on behalf of somebody I'll honor your request, because that's what love does. When you love your brothers and sisters in the faith, when you love your neighbor as yourself, then you do that. You go to God in prayer for that person. Genesis, let's continue. Genesis eighteen twenty seven to 33 um, And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which I'm but dust and ashes. This is his humility. He said, oh my gosh, look, look at the position that I'm in. Here I am talking to God and I'm, I'm but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the 50 righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And God said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, Adventure, there shall be 40 found there. And God said, I will not do it for 46. So, this is a banter going back and forth between God and Abraham. They are having a dialogue, they're discussing it because Abraham is trying to, you know, (laughs) trying to wrap his head around the, the judgment of God and what's going to happen. Abraham already knows the result if God judges Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 32, and he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. So there there was a designated area where Abraham and God met. What is that saying to us? we should find a place. Some people say a prayer closet. I, I, I don't want to put labels on anything, right? Um, because there are times when you're, when, you're, when you're about in your daily life and, you know, just steal away. Just find a place, a, a place of quiet, a place of resolve where you can talk with God, where you can meet with God, where you can commune with God and God with you. Now, having negotiated successfully with God, at least that's what Abraham thought, on the basis of 50 righteous individuals, Abraham presses on. In verses 28 through 32 of the text, Abraham continues to negotiate for Sodom. He completes his negotiation with judgment to be spared for the sake of 10 righteous individuals in verse 32. Now, one thing that's kind of left out in the scripture. We don't know what the amount of population was in those cities. We don't know. We don't know how much people lived in Sodom, right? Yet, Abraham was able to negotiate with God, right? And God said, hey, I'll honor your request. If I can find these amount of righteous people, This account raises a serious and complex question. Can we change God's mind through our prayers? I think I'll join the philosopher and theologian uh, Soren Kierkegaard when he said, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. That's us. Right? Lord, Thy will be done. We go back to that prayer again. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our, our, our function, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. God created us for fellowship and interaction. He values our prayers. He not only knows what we have need of before we ask as the omniscient God, the all-knowing God. But he knows what we are going to ask for before we do. And he already knows what he is going to do. And that's the thing that, that's the disconnect. That's where I think we mess up. God already knows what he's going to do.
1: Hmm.
0: He also already knows that you're going to ask him. He also already knows what you're going to ask him. The disconnect comes because God is all-sovereign, because he is all-knowing and he's all-sovereign. He knows exactly what needs to be done, and he's going to do it, regardless of what we say, regardless of what we ask. So we are taught to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's in all aspects of life. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And I've often said that's one of the most difficult phrases to attach to any prayer. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Do you understand the brevity? Do you understand the breadth? Do you understand the scope of that phrase? Nevertheless, nevertheless. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. What you're saying to God is, I will accept what you are going to do, whether I like it or not, whether I'm in favor of it or not. And we are taught to say it. We are taught to pray it. But we also need to learn to accept it. And there are times in our life when we are going to pray, And when we say, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, there may be some tragedy that is associated with that. There may be some suffering that is associated with that. But just understand that regardless of what happens, God is in control. He already knows what he is going to do. And all we need to do is submit to his will. Why? Because his knowledge does not diminish or relieve our participation, right? We may very well get what we ask for, but it is certain we will get what we need. Amen. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so it says here that they left, right? They left each other and they went their separate ways. And now we're going to look at the judgment that God implemented. I'm going to turn it over to senior pastor. Abraham witnesses judgment and mercy at the same time. Listen, for those who are listening, you have to read this for yourself. There is, I don't want to say there is new revelation, but there is a freshness when you read it again to realize that Abraham is experienced or Abraham witnessed judgment and mercy at the same time. Senior pastor.
1: Yes, yes, pastor. And it must have been very heartrending to Abraham, although he accepted it as the will of God. But, you know, he has been praying for these people because that's where his brother Lot lived. And people don't understand what Preachers go through sometimes preaching and counseling and talking to people, and they're not making any change at all. They go further into sin. Um, just like um, Noah. Noah preached for 120 years and had no converts to, 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 to show for that. Uh, how ironic and not it must have been to, to Abraham. But as you said, that um, God does not change his mind. And note here what was said, that he created us for fellowship and interaction. That's why we pray. That's why we talk to God. But he wants to have fellowship with us. Note that he values our prayers. He not only knows what we have need of before we act, as is the God that is always, present and the God who always knows. But he knows what we're going to ask for before we do. (laughs) Oh, what a God. What a God. He knows, already knows what he's going to do. You know? So whatever we do, his knowledge, however, does not diminish or relieve our participation. He wants us to interact with him. He wants us to share. That's why we have fellowship with him. That's why we have fellowship with Him. And pray. I ask you to pray. Pray for those of us who have to preach the gospel. Sometimes you don't understand the sleepless nights. Sometimes you don't understand that we feel alone because we are interceding to God as He is interceding to His Father on our behalf. Remember when He went to the cross? How He felt the hands and the cares of the world and his shoulder, and he said, let's take this cup, take it away. But then he went back and he said, "Not, not my will, but thy will be done, O Lord. Some of us could have done better if we were not preachers. But oh, thy will be done, O Lord. We are committed to it. So here we have that Abraham learned of God's impending judgment. Here God reveal what he's going to do. His judgment is revealed. His judgment is determined. And when Abraham heard that, he drew near to God and he prayed. Plead for mercy. Oh, give them a chance, Lord. And I know you, girl, you don't change your mind. But if we can find 50, 45, 35, 30, Ten, and none could be found. I wonder how much he's going to find when he comes back. We are preaching the gospel. He prayed for preservation of the righteous. Save the righteous, Lord. Don't destroy them with the wicked. But not even ten could be found. And he's coming back, my children. Abraham, witnesses, judgment, and mercy. Whatever God said he's going to do, he doesn't change his mind because he already worked it out. How it's going to happen? He works it out already. He know exactly. If he's not going to destroy it, he's not going to say so because he doesn't change his mind. So here we find in Genesis nineteen twenty-four to 25. The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Sodom, bad reason, stand as a symbol of sinfulness and God's judgment of that sin. Do we learn anything from that? In a fitting tribute to Abraham's intercession, it is also a symbol of God's grace, extended and rejected. And he's extending that grace to us today, but people rejecting him. You think they don't hear that voice? Yes, there are two voices who speak to us. The voice of the devil that is always coming at us, thumping at us. And the still, small voice of the master, because he's not going to frighten you. He's going to tell you the truth. But it serves. Abraham and Sodom situation serves as a reminder to live continually in covenant with God. Are we learning anything today? So what do we find? Yes, God is a God of mercy. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to man. But here we find that righteous mercy is now replaced with righteous anger. God, when God is upset, God said, I give you time. And that's death, you know, when death comes, death not turning back at all. He gives you all the warning when you had the accident. He gives you the warning when you had the heart attack. He gives you the warning, you know, when you go through certain things, pain and suffering, the pandemic, um, And that sort of thing, he gives you the warning that one day we didn't come here to stay forever, we're going to die. Death is an appointment that we all must face. Righteous mercy is now replaced with righteous anger. And we read that in the Bible. When the final day comes, when men shall be running to the rocks and say, hide me from this wrath of him that comes, and the rock running too, the sea running, you know, it's coming. Judge mercy will be replaced with righteous anger. And we say righteous anger because anything that God does is right in doing it. You can't take him and show him in the court. If he says today is your day to die, you're going to show him say, well, well, if you're dead, you can't do anything about it. But your family going to sue him and say, God, God, take me out? No, he has a right because he made you. He has power over you. Regrettable, there were not even ten righteous individuals in Sodom. Thus, judgment fell on the city and its inhabitants, with the exception of Lot and his wife and two daughters, who were safely removed, although it was done forcible. Brimstone, especially in this region, and I I read this, Pastor, is a mixture of sulfur and gypsum. Thus, when fire is had it, it melts and runs like lava. We hear about lava destroying everything in its path. Falling from the sky like rain would be extremely painful and woefully destructive. Brimstone is often an instrument and symbol of God's judgment and punishment. Let me say that again, brimstone. Fire and brimstone is often an instrument and symbol of God's judgment and punishment. We see that the Lord on on earth rained down fire and brimstone from the Lord in heaven, depicting the cooperative and coordinated activity of the pre-incarnate Son and the Father Oh, praise God. My friend, let us escape the judgment of God. We serve him too long to be involved in that judgment. The language and grammar reveal that um, Lot's wife was hesitant to follow out of the region. It reveals that her backward look was not a curious glance, but an intense and desirous Gaze at the city and lifestyle she loved. God's judgment, especially in light of this passage of grace and rescue, indicates she was not a righteous person. Her relationship with Lot could only preserve her to a point. Yeah, she was Lot's wife and Lot was saved. But she looked back and became a pillar of salt. Salt. Amen. A relationship with God could only preserve her to a point. The same is true of us. People who pray for us can only take us so far. Amen. People we pray for can only write God's grace and our prayers for so long. There comes a time when God say, "Enough is enough. Stop your prayer." The world can only pre- be preserved temporary. By the church, he that let it will let. He's holding back his wrath because the church is still here. But when the church is taken away, when the Antichrist is revealed, judgment will be poured out upon the earth. There will be no more time for repentance. It will be over. Remember Samuel? Prayed for Saul, crying for him. And God told Samuel, stop your your praying, stop your crying, for I have rejected him. Yeah, the church can pray for you. We can only pray for you for such a time. But there comes a time when judgment will come. Amen. So now we must not look back with desire from where and what God has delivered us from. Some people leave out a sin and they want to go back to it and then talk about the good times they used to have and the good friends they used to have. What are you talking about? What the world has to offer is only sin, shame, and disgrace. That's what sin offered you. And we, we see the term where some people say that I'm human. Yes, but humanity must submit to divinity. We must lose ourselves. And find it in Christ. Lose our own sinful habits. Depart from it. For someday we will stand before God. And when we do, we will need something more than speculative imagination. Our warmth for the feelings Charles in Swindle. Yes, we will lose that. My friends, look into yourself. The song we used to sing, look into your life. See how you leave. Live. Leave Babylon and come. It's time if you're, if you're on the program today and you're not saved, it's time to leave Babylon. That's what we're telling people. The time to be saved is now. We need Jesus, what the world needs. Somebody's thing is love, sweet love, but what kind of love? It's the love of Jesus. We see people who said they are in love. And what happened? They rip one another. They divorce. They hate one another, but if we have the love of God, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the eye stop and reaches to the lowest hell. My friend is reaching out to you today. And if you're not saved, escape the burning fires of hell. Yes, my friend, and come to Jesus. He's calling today. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart, but come to him today. And this take us to mercy reveal. Yes, judgment day is coming, but mercy, judgment implemented, but mercy was revealed. Oh, yes, and Lot and his daughters and so on. Take us to, Pastor O, mercy revealed. Amen. And... So we, we look here and we,
0: we see a senior pastor took us through uh, the judgment of God on Sodom
1: and Gomorrah.
0: Um, but notice what we said at the beginning of this section, that Abraham witnessed judgment and mercy. So he saw the judgment brought on on Sodom and Gomorrah, the fire and brimstone. But something very peculiar happened is that there was also mercy that was witnessed by Abraham. And we see in Genesis nineteen, now, this is a, a, a <laughs> this is a disclaimer here. God doesn't necessarily do it like this all the time. So just because God did it for Abraham in this way, It doesn't necessarily mean that he'll do it for us in this way either. Uh, God is very intelligent. He's a very intelligent being. Um, uh, So (laughs) he's going to determine what is needed from what is not, as we said earlier. But Abraham experienced mercy um, in a very real way. And it says here in verse, verse 27 of chapter 19, Genesis chapter 19. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And beheld and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace, it was thick. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. Now, here is what's interesting about this. Lot was a relative of Abraham. He was actually uh, the, the nephew of Abraham. Right, um, and because of his connection with Abraham, <laughs> because of his connection with Abraham, God did not destroy Lot. All right, now you now you're kind of getting what we're talking about. So Abraham not only experienced judgment or witnessed judgment, but also witnessed mercy. The next day, Abraham quickly returns to the place, as we see in verse 27, um, to survey the situation and determine whether or not judgment had been averted. Because remember, he asked God, hey, if you find ten righteous, well, apparently, God did not find ten righteous people. Okay? Um, It can be surmised that Abraham really did not know if there were 10 righteous people in the city or not, right? I mean, have you have you seen it in, in in your own life where you you prayed for you know tragedy to be averted, but the tragedy happened anyway? right? Because again, this is contingent upon God's mercy, God's judgment, God's will. Right? The destruction was horrific, as it included the inhabitants, all, dwell, all dwellings, the city, the entire region, even the very earth itself. The language in this passage depicts a damaging and desolating force so strong that the land sank. Now, in summary, Max Lucada uh, summarizes best, I think. He said God planned to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their many sins anyway. Abraham pleaded with God for Sodom in order to save Lot's life. God completely punished the city, but rescued Lot by sending two angels to escort him away. Here's what I believe. I believe God wants to save our life. And that is why he hasn't destroyed our cities yet. I'll say this again. I don't profess to be a a prophet of any sort, but this is what I believe. I believe God wants to save your life. I believe God wants to save my life, and that is why he hasn't destroyed our cities yet. God is active in the lives of his people. He may not physically appear to us, but appear to us he does. And we must be spiritually aware, as believers, of his presence and his inclusion of us in his divine plans. The world around us is relying on our prayers, whether they believe in prayer or believe in God or not. They are relying on our prayers, even if they are not aware of it. So the question is, is there a lot for whom you are praying? Is there someone in in your life that you can go to God for? Have you ever felt an unexplained burden on your heart to pray, whether it be for the world in general or your community or your church or your family or someone you may not personally know? Well, that is the Holy Spirit calling you to intercession. And I believe it is time for us to heed the calling of the Holy Spirit to pray. Why? Because prayer changes things. We have seen it. You have witnessed it. I've witnessed it. We have experienced it. Prayer works. And it is high time for us to start praying again. We need to call on everyone. There should be a Macedonia call that is sent out to the entire church, to the global church, that it is time to pray. Prayer changes things and even if God destroys the cities he will save the soul but we have to pray that everyone will start waking up and start accepting Christ as their personal Savior and Lord I believe it's time to pray and I believe the time to pray is now senior pastor if you can close us out in prayer
1: this is a very serious lesson, my friend, and it might be a warning for you, might be a warning for me, and I want us to take it seriously. Things were really bad in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was so bad that when the Lord sent two angels to rescue Lot that the men of the city were so vile, so wretched, so sinful, that they came out and knocked on the door of Lot and told him, let the men out so we could have our time with them. Let them out, in other words, so we could have sex with them. And Lot said, no, I have two daughters. His daughters were already married but I'll give you the two girls and you can do whatever you want with them. They said, no, that's not what we want. We want the men. They were burning with so much, you know, lust, men after men and so on. And Abram locked the door and they tried to rip the door apart to go. And the angels went and struck them, pulled Lot in and struck them. Amen. God is getting ready to strike, my friend. People don't get away with the sinful act. God sees it. And he gives every person a chance to repent. Are you that person today? I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know what circumstances face you today. I don't know what sinful act is around you today. But the Spirit is warning you today. The voice of God is speaking unto you. And Isaiah said, "If you hear his voice, harden not your heart." As Abraham pre- pleaded for his nephew Lot, somebody is pleading for you. It could be your mother, it could be your father, it could be your sister, it could be your brother. I want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you that God will extend His mercy to you. So. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to ask God to come into your life. I'm going to pray for you today. I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to extend his mercy to you. I'm going to ask God to intervene Could be in your family that he needs to come in. We all have skeletons in our closet some place or the other and God knows everything. There is nothing hidden from him. Perhaps you you once knew him and once testified of his love. But you have gone back on your testimony. Now is the time. While his mercy is extended. Father, we pray this morning. We intervene as Abram did. Lord, we are praying and asking for mercy today. Extend your hand of mercy. Mercy there was great. And grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied. Extend your pardon today, Lord. As the songwriter wrote, Just as I am without one plea. For that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come. We come to you today. Yet another writer says, I am coming to the cross. I am poor and weak and blind. But oh, help us to find salvation. Help us to find the Lord. Oh, your hand is still extended today. Save today. Save to the utmost, we pray. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying today. We snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. O oh God, we discharge and rebuke every plan of the adversary. The enemy, Satan, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But O oh God, we ask you today that we will love you with all our might, all our heart. We will love you, Lord, as you first loved us. For you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. That whosoever believed in you should not perish, but have everlasting life. We pray for life today. There is life overlooked at the crucified one, at the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light. The burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the way. Make somebody happy today. Somebody behind prison bars. Somebody in the hospital in pain. Somebody giving birth to a baby today. Some police officer making their rounds today. Some fighting in war. We pray that the whole world will hear your voice, and if we hear your voice, help us not to harden our hearts. Because you came to seek and to save that which was lost. Thank you for hearing us today. Thank you for saving. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Those of us who know you, Lord, as we teach and preach these messages, as we encourage people, may we, Lord, may our souls find rest in you. Have mercy upon us today. According to your loving kindness and according to your tender mercy, blot out all our transgression. We pray and we ask it today, and we give thee thanks and praise for all that you have already done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do in the future. And when our life on Earth is ended, may we come home to see you and live and reign with you forever. We thank thee, Lord. And we praise thee today. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. We say amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah.